What's up and welcome to Groundbreaking, a friendly original podcast bringing you the young creatives redefining what it means to create and introducing you to tomorrow's leaders today. I'm Jake Brewer. Let's get started. team here we are again and i hope you wouldn't expect nothing less than the incredible episode you're about to listen to to welcome you back to our show meet cassie wilson a tiktok icon in true inspiration to me cassie founded half access a nonprofit advocacy organization fighting ableism and working to make live music across all venues more accessible for our friends in the disabled community. She started Half Access back in 2017 as a positive action to combat the discrimination at music venues she faced. Cassie's now on a mission to ensure live music is open to all, and that's surely a force I know we can all get behind. What is up, everybody? I have been waiting for this for so long. Groundbreaking is back. You know so well from the very first season just how much this show's meant to me and how much it's really changed the way that I create. And I always knew it before that storytelling and hearing stories from other people really changes the way that you sort of create yourself. And if anything, I really hope myself and this show is the proof of that because I think my sort of ambition has really changed over the course of the entire first season. And now that I get to come back, I am in a new space. I am with new guests and we have new stories. It feels like there is just the largest, most exciting landscape in front of me. And we are going to tackle this all together. Um, But if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard enough of me. You're probably even cringing a little bit at the sound of my voice. That's totally okay. I do that too. Um, So why don't we just welcome my very first guest. And I will say that I'm like a little a little like starstruck, dare I say, with like my guests today. Because when I was thinking about the second season, I was like, I really want to tell stories that um, impact me like instantly. Um, And by that, I just mean like the ones that you see, like in this case, a very small like TikTok of, and you think about it the rest of your day, and then that becomes the rest of your week. And those sort of moments are the ones that I think we need to dive into a little bit more because at the end of the day, if it's still on your mind, there's a reason for that. And that's kind of what I want to explore today. Um, I also just have a really exciting and like personal sort of investment behind our mission today and what we're going to be talking about. And I'll make sure I tell you all about that. But I want to introduce Cassie right now. Cassie, I first stumbled upon like, I don't know, a couple months ago. It was at some point in the blur of the quarantine of it all. But she just like radiates this energy that is so profound and so unique and is so comforting and you just she's somebody that you instantly like trust with everything and I was like okay I was like Jacob like if you're feeling really daring like I don't know maybe like see if she wants to come on the show because I was like this would be so cool to talk to her because I have so many questions and I'm so interested and I've never heard of a mission like hers and I think that's um, almost rare nowadays, which is exciting. But today we're going to be telling a really unique story. Cassie is the founder of Half Access, which is just one piece of her storyline. Um, and I'm really excited to see where today goes. So Cassie, I, I hope you can tell how excited I am, how honored I am to have you not only on Groundbreaking, but the premiere episode. This is a conversation I've been really excited to have for a long time. I am so excited to be here. I'm so glad that we could finally connect. And 
it's it's so wild to think about how like TikTok has connected me with so many people because I often forget because I'm not on there as much anymore. But yeah. that's so cool that that's how we became connected. It's and you're right. It is so funny. And what what shocks me a lot of the time is I've even like a couple of weeks ago, somebody told me like, Jacob, you get the coolest guests on your show. And I was like, I was like, oh, they respond to DMs if you just want to say, hey, like at the end of the day, like she's just the nicest person like in the world. So like she'll say like, hey, back like, I don't know. I always say ready. for I give so many cliches during the show. I hope you're ready. But like communication is all just person to person, no matter who you're talking to, no matter who they're representing, um, even if it's themselves, it's all just person to person. And at the end of the day, we like talking to people. And so I'm like, especially me, I'm going to jump on that opportunity. So of course, I'm so glad you're here. And your sort of story really stuck out to me because it was something. um, And I I hate to start off the show with like a very personal anecdote. But this is I kind of want to preface why like I was very excited for this episode, if that's all right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So like, so half access basically advocates. And if I ever say anything wrong too, like, I'm just want to let, I, I can say this during our little pre-show talk, but I also want to let it known to everybody listening. If I ever say something that's not like right about your mission, or if you go, Hey, you could explain that a lot better. You have full permission for me. Nobody's going to go. Why did Cassie say that? Cause I'm asking you to right now. So just want to get that out of the way. Um, for sure. But half access advocates for accessibility in music venues. And that's a very succinct way to say the incredible mission. I've read all about it. Like I know the website, like the palm of my hand, but um, I, I'm somebody who's like, I've like, I've seen so many shows and I've toured across the country and I've played in these venues. And when I was watching all of your TikToks and going down like that spiral, like one night of like, oh my gosh, like ready for everything that you were saying, I like felt a little bit of shame of like, why did I never consider this? Or why did I never think of this? Like, especially as like somebody who had a lot of like, I don't know, I hope people don't take this the wrong way of somebody who had a lot of like pull in that sort of scenario where like, if I would have said something like it probably would have gotten like done, you know? Um, so I kind of like, I had a lot of regret, like in that instant moment, but what struck me again, this is the way that you deliver this message is it wasn't like, I didn't like sit there and shame for a week. Like my instant question was like, oh, like I'm not going to spend time answering the question of why I felt this way. I'm going to spend the time answering the question of, okay, Jacob, the second you step back on the, out on the road again, like, how are you going to actually advocate for this and say the right things and take the right steps. And so a lot of the conversation I want to have today is coming from a very personal place, but I also want all kinds of people to hear like, you know, audience goers and even artists themselves who are listening, how they can um, be more involved. And I know you have an incredible perspective of that. And now that my little personal anecdote story is out of the way and people can actually get to know you a little bit better, let's start there. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Don't worry, no elevator pitch stuff. I would never ask somebody to do that because that just scares us all. But tell me, like a little bit about your sort of background and how half access came to be because the mission just blows my mind and it's something I'm, I'm really, truly interested in. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. It, when you say like, you know, that you could have had pull in those scenarios, it's been really interesting, like looking at the dynamics of like 
who has power in situations of venue accessibility. And it's almost never the people who need it, um, which is really interesting. But yeah, I'm Cassie. I live in Oregon, specifically in boring Oregon, um, which is always fun. <laughs> which is the cool, which is one of the coolest fun facts ever. Cause I was like, there's no, and then I looked it up and I was like, oh no, that's actually true. <laughs> I know. I always kind of wonder what comes up when people look it up because it's like, now we have like the, north american bigfoot center here or something it's like there's not a lot to do in boring but apparently we've got that now um amazing that's where i know you from yep of course (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah um but yeah i am disabled i have a form of dwarfism and i also am a part-time wheelchair user Um, I've been disabled my whole life, and as a result of that, I have been advocating for my right to be in any space, really, um, for as long as I can remember. I know, like, my first memories of it is, like, in kindergarten and then again in sixth grade and freshman year, like, meeting with the school districts to talk about, hey, this is how the school needs to be more accessible to me. Because um, unfortunately, a lot of buildings were built before the Americans with Disabilities Act. And because of that, if I don't know, there's a lot of loopholes in the ADA, unfortunately. And so because of that, uh, disabled people were always having to fight for our right to exist in spaces that other people can just get right into and feel welcome and included. And um, so in high school, I after (laughs) through in a weird roundabout way through my one direction phase which i have now gone through my second one direction phase we're we're thriving over here it always comes back it always comes back (laughs) it's it's never really a phase um i ended up like meeting a lot of friends locally that way and um and other like and like local musicians and i started going to local shows in my area and just absolutely fell in love with music Um, and really wanted to, like, as I was discovering all these small artists, I was like, why doesn't the whole world know about them? And I was like, Mm -hmm. I want to work in the music industry and, um, you know, help build these artists up. And, um, and after a few years of consistently going to shows and after a major back surgery and just getting older and having more perspective and also just getting more in touch with the disabled community, I started to think more about my safety at shows because for the first few years of going to shows, I actually would just like naturally go to the front row because I was like, well, where else would I go? Where else could I be able to see from sitting level? Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know, a lot of the shows I was going to were like rock or pop punk or whatever. And so there would be crowd surfers, mosh pits, people really pushing forward. And it just wasn't the safest place for me to be. And I I still don't know why when I first started going to shows that I didn't ever think to ask, like, if there was somewhere better for me to be. But um, in 2017, I started asking when I went to venues. And they usually had no idea what I was asking for. Like they just didn't have a process. They didn't have a space for disabled people to safely be able to watch the show. And um, so after realizing that like this was 
the case, not only for me, but for so many of my disabled friends, not only in the Portland area, but also across the country and across the world. I was like, I mean, someone's got to do something about this. And if I want to work in the music industry and it's not even accessible to me, then like, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to feel welcome? And how are other disabled people supposed to feel welcome? How are disabled fans, artists, venue staff? Like, how is anyone supposed to feel safe in this space where we all go to get away from life for a few hours? And, um, and so I was just like, why not me? And like, I had, I had writing experience. So at first I had was like, oh, maybe I'll just write about my experiences so people know. Mm -hmm. But then I realized that it would be more helpful um, if I just started like recording what accessibility was like at the venues I was going to, because it was so anxiety inducing to go to a venue for the first time and have them not answer your calls, not answer your emails about accessibility um, and have like a one sentence spiel on their website that doesn't actually describe accessibility at all because it's different for every disabled person. And um, yeah, so then I basically channeled all my frustration with these venues that were not welcoming to me or my friends and turned that into half access as an outlet to work on that and change that. I think, I think that is the perfect sort of story to embody, like realizing that you, that there's a certain skill and there's a certain way that you can apply a sort of feeling that you have into something productive through a creative form, which is a very vague thing to say, but is that the very essence of like everything that I believe in and what I believe everybody needs to do at least some point in their life. Cause there's nothing more rewarding than that. But it also makes me realize like, I mean the music industry, like we could talk for hours about how just how many barriers to entry there are for so many young artists, but you opened up a part of me that was like, Oh, there's a barrier to entry for music lovers too. Um, and that's something that I never really considered. And I, you're right. I think it's such an escape that when I'm there, like, I'm not thinking about that. Um, but I mean, that's like no sort of excuse there because these venues, especially like large, there's this space, the space is there. I have no idea how that happens. Um, so tell me the first sort of like instances where maybe, you sort of got some sort of like traction or, and I know a huge part of your website is, isn't, is that a sort of education piece because you're right. Like a lot of the sites are very vague and you even mentioned like how many loopholes are in the, um, the ADA it's ADA, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I've been, I've been trying to like study up on all this stuff because your story truly really, really inspired me, but, um, I've read it. And that's actually something I've heard a lot about before of like, there are very specific sort of like loopholes in this. Is that, does that allow, venues to be that vague and essentially check whatever box. And I know I started asking you another question and ended with a different question, but we'll start with that second question of um, if venues can check that box just through being that sort of vague or as like, I don't know. The question I'm trying to ask is, is that efficient enough to pass whatever legality there is? You know, and I'm still also learning a lot about the technical aspect of it. But from what I understand, like, if you think about it, like the ADA was passed in 1990, 
almost every building in like major cities, especially was built before then. And especially I feel like most venues are way older than that. And, um, and because of that, there's like definitely like a, there's a historic building loophole. There's just, I feel like the most common one that's repeated over and over and over is just like, well, if becoming accessible is an undue financial burden to you, then don't, you don't have to do it. Just do the most that you can. And, um, and as long as they don't do any major construction or renovations or anything like that, then they can just keep on doing what they're doing. And, you know, I don't, I, I, I still have so much to learn, but it's just like, clearly something's not working. Clearly something's not holding mm-hmm. them accountable. Um, because it's like, yeah, I don't know how specific it gets into um, things like, okay, well, if they provide you a seat, but it's in the back of the room and you can't see over people because it's a general admission show, is that accessibility? Like, um, mm. obviously not to us, but, um, you know, it's like, who is making those calls and who's enforcing it? Um, and so sometimes I try to just get a little less caught up in that and just be like, well, regardless of what that says, like, I think we're really trying to focus on like the change of heart and attitude and just like bringing the problem to people's attention because you can change. I like, this is something that um, I watched uh, the Netflix movie Crip Camp um, last year. And, um, and something I really took away from that is the things that I'm still experiencing and that um the leaders of the disability rights movement were experiencing, which is that you can change legislation, but then somebody has to enforce that legislation. And I don't know, I'd rather have people genuinely want to change, want to include everyone, want to make their space accessible than feel like they're forced to and like it's something terrible. And so that's that's kind of where I'm coming from is like thinking of music venue folks as just like it's, you know, music fan to music fan. And um, I find that a lot of people just don't realize that they aren't accessible because, yeah, like you said, like you just don't think about it if it doesn't affect you. And I know a lot of my friends, like they all learn because they'd go to shows with me and be be carrying my wheelchair up the stairs for me. And it's like mm-hmm. um, stuff like that, where it's just like makes it impossible to ignore. Yeah. Do you, if you don't mind me asking, do you enjoy that sort of role of being an advocate or do you almost like, do you like, do you anticipate yourself to be an advocate like long-term or you just hope, do you hope that one day, like it's all just, I don't know what it's all just fixed means or what that looks like. Um, or do you just like, no, I, I just want to go see like a show or do you enjoy that role of like educating people on this? That's a great question. I think it depends the day because I feel like I try to be really optimistic about it. And because I have an outlet to work on changing it, sometimes I feel bad like when I, cause like a lot of times I would go and like live tweet my like experience as it was happening. Partially probably just like the anxiety and stress of it and just like yeah, needing to yeah. vent, but also so that way people could see my feelings and reactions as things were happening and progressing. And, um, and so sometimes I feel like during those times, I'm like, 
I feel bad, like sometimes I feel bad highlighting the problem on an even bigger level because I just want to be like, everything's going to be okay. Like we're going to fix this. Like, I don't know. And it's just like, sometimes, I guess sometimes I feel like when I go to a show and like nothing I do, no way that I self-advocate can change my experience at the show. Like, I guess sometimes like that can get me pretty down, but, um, for the most part, like I'm such an open person and I just love, um, I have the time, the energy, the headspace to be able to teach other people. And I know a lot of disabled people don't. And so I am definitely comfortable being that person, but like my dream in a way is for half access to half access to need to become obsolete because everything's accessible. Um, I think it would probably always exist in some form because if someone's not paying attention things could obviously yeah. revert but um that's the dream I would love to become obsolete I think the only thing I took away from my like two years of like business degree associates degree was like my business 101 teacher saying find a need and fill it and so if that needs no longer there that would be great I would love to just be able to access the world you know and like right now in quarantine, I actually can. The world's at my fingertips, you know. Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you sort of find your voice in advocating then? Because you, I can't Im- imagine like the the frustration of it all. Because it's it sounds like a constant sort of like letdown. So how do you how do you channel your voice into that? Because I think my gut instinct would be like an open letter to the management of the venue. Like dem- like it would be so tempting to almost call people out to sort of do that thing how do you handle that and how do you make sure that you invest your sort of feeling into something that actually is productive I think um and I I know you definitely feel this too I think storytelling is just so powerful and so even if that's me live tweeting even if that's me just talking to people about my experiences or half access tabling at a show and talking about the issue. Like, I think just talking to people is, and like being like, did you know this was a problem? And them going, I didn't like, is really like, and realizing that that seems to be the most common case is what like kind of keeps me level headed about it. Um, But yeah, it really does get frustrating sometimes with venues that um, just don't have it together with accessibility. And there's like a lot of venues that are the worst with it and like with where they place their accessible viewing area, they're like the number one excuse. And I guess it's not really an excuse if it's legitimate legal issues is fire codes, Um, Mm. which is really interesting. But um, But I, yeah, so I just, I think about that a lot and I think about how, um, yeah, I don't know, like it can be frustrating with venues like that because it's like, well, um, I don't know, when shows go to those venues, I just like, I think I'm becoming less tolerant to it, um, which is hard because I'm like, I want to show up, I want to like be the noisemaker in the room like being like, hey, like, I want to be able to see this show. But then it's like, that can really wear you down by the time the show even starts, like you had to fight for your space to be there. And um, so every situation is different. Um, I think I do think disabled people showing up at shows 
is like literally an act of resistance, you know, um, in itself. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I think. I don't know. I think maybe I think also growing up on social media makes me like as open as I am. I'm because like, I just like I don't hesitate like to put anything out there that I'm experiencing. And nowadays, I try to rein that into stuff that's like, actually relevant to like, accessibility and disability justice and other things going on in the world as opposed to whatever else. But yeah, yeah. Do you find that people are a little bit more open or conscious to that sort of like thinking of like, oh, like this is, this is a challenge that a group of people are facing. Let me be involved in this. Do, are people more willing than maybe they used to be? Because I think my perception in the way that I think the average person would just sort of view things is view things are now like, oh, it's the year 2021. Like everybody can get behind like all of these sort of movements. Like we're all supporting each other. At least I would hope most people can. But um, do you find that that's actual like reality or are we almost creating that narrative to settle ourselves and make ourselves feel better about actually not doing everything by saying that we're doing everything and oh, everybody's a part of this? You know, I've been thinking about that a lot recently and especially over the past year. And I'm really interested to see what happens when shows come back because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have like had like realizations about their privilege and that they need to be doing a lot more for people who are having struggles that they don't experience um, specifically referring to the black lives matter movement of the past year um, and beyond. Um, and I'm interested to see how disability justice continues to play into conversations because I feel like it's often still left behind, um, which means the most marginalized people are being left behind because, like, if things are this bad for me as a white disabled person, I can't imagine how much worse it is for people who are, like, have, like, multiple identities being oppressed. Like, I can't imagine and um and i think even within marginalized communities we have to be doing more like just because you're disabled actually it's really interesting just because you're disabled doesn't mean you can't be ableist because there's so many types of disabilities that and i feel like i've experienced so much internalized ableism because it's never talked about like we're like what a paragraph in a history book um that Yeah, I think there's always more room for improvement. And I feel like, honestly, with disability justice type stuff, that people tend to be more passive supporters than active. And I feel like the easiest way for people to change that is to just start asking, like, is this accessible in any meeting, in any scenario, whether that's music related or not? Um, I think that's the easiest way to, like, start thinking about it and start implementing accessibility because I've found that even the most progressive spaces are not accessible a lot of the times. And the amount of shows I've been at where I'm like sitting in the back unaccommodated, like a band will get on stage and be like, everyone is welcome here regardless of whatever. And I'm like, well, am I really welcome though? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's definitely a lot more work to do and I'm interested to see if people step it up when, uh, whenever COVID ends. (laughs) 
Yeah. And does the sort of like greater sort of at least recognition of social movement, does that give you like any sort of new faith or is it very like, okay, we've talked about this before, let's actually show up. And that being said, it's very hard to show up right now because we all should be staying in place. Um, But I really, really like what you said about it's just a conversation because I think if somebody were to ask me like, um, like, oh, you know, Jacob, how can you advocate for um, the disabled community? How can you advocate for the black community? I think it's like the solution to advocating for um, can I, like, abled people. I don't know. Is that is that, I don't know what I don't know what the, yeah. the best term to use is there. Well, and language is, maybe... is always evolving. I feel like people say non-disabled a lot now. Non-disabled. Okay. So like the for like the non-disabled like group, like, oh, like the solution just seems a little bit more, I don't know, I don't know, like feasible because like my mind goes to like, oh, it's, it's, you're right. It's like about physical, like infrastructure, like accessibility, like those are the sort of things. Whereas like in my mind, my mind, I'm like, oh, that sounds so much more complicated. Um, but I like the way that you broke it down. Cause you're like, oh no, it's, it's actually very similar of just advocating and showing that in almost like putting like a healthy pressure behind like only participating in things that you know are accessible and like those sort of things. I think those are the sort of bits and pieces that I've grabbed on from you today, but also just through my own sort of research. I think that's incredibly like valuable advice. But my question before I went on that tangent was, do you, does it, do you have like a little bit more faith maybe than you ever did right now? Um, Or I don't know. And I, I know how involved you were in, November and election stuff and we've been talking for a while and that's something that I was like oh my gosh of course of course she's a part of this just because <laughs> she's because she's that like involved and I want to be like her in every possible way but um I know you're really involved in that and so I can tell that there was like a sort of spark in you what did that sort of like come from um like was it just like oh I'm at this age now where like I know how to use my voice or is it like an inspiration from maybe a parallel movement I honestly think that, I don't know, like, and it's interesting because I feel like my entry into like doing stuff like half access was so different than my entry into everything else I do. Um, But I feel like I'm constantly being inspired by the movements around me. And like you said, like, yeah, with with the pandemic and with uh, 2020 being my first calendar year not in school and me being like oh cool now I'm at home all here um yeah like yep. <laughs> I was like okay what am I gonna do with all this time and so I did yeah I started organizing with other movements and learning from them which is really nice because I feel like everything I've ever done has always been something I started myself and it's so nice to learn from things that other people are leading and so like yeah like I, I texted for Bernie in the elections and then um, after the election cycles, I was like, okay, now what? And also like, um, I had been really inspired <laughs> and moved by the fact that like in September, my entire county was under an evacuation order because of the wildfires. And, um, and so I was starting to think about things beyond just disability justice. I was starting to think about climate justice and um, as a disabled person, I'm also always thinking about access to healthcare and things like that. And um, and so I started getting involved in these other movements. And I think those actually sometimes bring me more hope than even the work that I'm doing because I feel like I'm still 
always the person to bring up accessibility, even in those spaces, um, and to be the one leading it, which is always interesting. And, um, but the people in those spaces are so receptive to it, that it's like really reassuring and it doesn't put all the work on me, which is so nice. Um, but I still hesitate, you know, thinking about like the broader movement for social justice at large and what that looks like in 2021, like, because I feel like, like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like people aren't thinking about disabled people, they forget or just honestly don't know what their experiences are like, what our experiences are like. And um, like one of the most tangible ways that I've been thinking about this lately is I fully support the idea of stimulus checks. I think people need support. We're in a pandemic. Totally get that. They're like, send me a $2,000 check every month. And I'm like, do you realize like people like me who are on SSI, which is supplemental security income, like I receive $529 a month and I'm expected to live on that. But you're not as mad about that. Like you've never been mad about that. You know what I mean? Like it's like you're not fighting. Yeah. You're not also fighting this fight. You're only fighting your own fight um, and not wondering how it affects other people. And I'm like, just like, please bring us along. Like, uh, that's something I've thought a lot about recently, specifically because I'm just like, okay, we're talking about this, but why aren't we also talking about this at the same time? Because like we have these existing systems that are so broken and um, yeah. And it's just like, sometimes it just feels like it's only disabled people yelling about it into the void for nobody to really do anything. And sometimes I wonder if it's literally going to take disabled people getting elected in office to change like big systemic things. Um, or if we work outside the systems, who knows, but yeah, I think I do still hesitate um, because I think people are definitely more receptive to change than they've ever been. But whether people act on that or go through the effort of learning how to act on that, I guess I'm still waiting to see more signs of it beyond just disabled people being the ones doing it all the time. Of course. And how do you how do you combat that sort of fatigue that comes with like constantly like screaming like this messaging like like you're totally right too like it's it's not gonna be much more like hey we could actually solve two problems at once right now we're fired up hey like let me really fire you up with like this and then like now you can really help out I think that's an important important message but I think fatigue is becoming more common like a year into the pandemic people are like I'm just like COVID fatigued like there's such like a um like the sort of Groundhog Day effect, but it doesn't sound like that's something that's necessarily as new to you. Um, so how do you combat that that feeling of, am I just going to keep yelling about this forever? I think I usually just like take a moment to be like, okay, well, what's in my control? And, you know, and what what that looks like at any given time who knows but I think like finding something you can control is really helpful or like even if it's like I'm really frustrated about this and it feels like nobody's listening like even if it's as simple as like writing my representative or writing somebody who does have more power than me um 
I actually like with the um, SSI thing, I had actually emailed my congressman and um, I have, you know, emailed him about stuff in the past before, but um, usually I get an auto generated email back. uh, But I actually got a call from DC. (laughs) Um, So sometimes in those moments of fatigue and frustration, you know, channeling that again, like I'm so big into channeling negative feelings into something I can control. Um, and, you know, sometimes that results in very productive conversations. Yeah. And what, like, yeah, I know you're right. Like the moments like that where you're like, oh, like, okay, somebody heard something, like, even if it is one in every million, like that, that is something that you're sort of doing. And I don't know, did you ever see yourself like in this sort of space like, um, I don't know, like, did you know, like, oh, I want to start something like one day, I know you said a lot of your, a lot of the projects you've worked on have been things that you've started on your own. Was that ever like the intention? Or did you stumble into that space? Um, and I don't know, like, how do you how do you see your role expanding there? Yeah, I, I definitely didn't expect to start something, let alone a nonprofit, because everything about Half Access has been a learning experience from the start. Like I was very fortunate that right after like I formed Half Access and like the idea of it, that then I actually received a $10,000 grant from Hopeless Records um, to basically kickstart the project. And, um, and so after that, it was like, okay, I need to become a 501c3. What does that mean? Um, yeah, and like yeah. <laughs> form a board and all these things. And, you know, we're coming up on four years now, which is so wild to me because in so many ways, it feels like we're still just a baby little nonprofit because we're learning so much. And I'm honestly really glad we've had the past year to learn more. And for me to get involved in other movements, because I'm taking so much of like my experiences from like, like I've mainly been really involved with Sunrise Movement where I am. And yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I see your Green New Deal poster and I'm like, I want it. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, gosh. We, we can match. I'll get you one. <laughs> but, um, uh, but it's like, you know, taking things from spaces like that or um, I also joined DSA and like thinking about like the importance of like rotational leadership and that mm-hmm. nobody should ever always be the one in power. Like we don't take our like official roles on the board super seriously because we're just music fans trying to make the world a better place um, and have to have some technical stuff um, to be seen as legitimate. And so, um, and so like I'm the half access president and one of my goals this year (laughs) is actually to um, raise somebody else up into that position for next year, because I'm like, I don't need to be the one leading all of our meetings, like making all the agendas, like coordinating everything. Like, I think it would be like, we would grow in new ways with somebody else leading the way. And so that's something I've been thinking a lot about is like, and also because I have so many other passions that I'm just like, I don't know, like taking turns where I'm like putting my energy, but it's like, at the same time, I'm always going to be so passionate about all of it. And that's actually one of the things that like, we're really working on with Half Access this year is like growing our organization and like, finally starting to take on volunteers for the first time now that we feel like we have it together enough to do that. Um, 
And so I'm really excited, like, and I'm excited to like learn from other people's leadership too. You're right. I mean, just like how people have benefited from having you a part of their organization, like that's such a healthy mindset to be like, I'm going to benefit from other people being a part of like my own, because you're right. Like something that's founded on your perspective, like it's going to grow by adding in those additional perspectives. And the more you diversify the sort of background in the way that the organization thinks, the more people you're actually going to apply to. And that's something that I think I'm just starting to get a grip on too, because it's very, very tempting to be like, no, I know the direction of this. I know where it wants to go. Exactly. But, it, like, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, I, like I'm gonna like I'm gonna resonate with people a lot differently if I get more stories involved. And you're right, it, it always comes back to storytelling for me, which I don't know, is a maybe it's a cliche based on how many times I've said it now. But I truly agree with you when I think that that is such a simple way to advocate. And I think I think that word like almost startles people now. And I had a conversation recently with somebody about like how like just the the parallels between performative activism and cancel culture are starting to look very similar and how people are now starting to be like afraid to advocate for something because it may be advocating in like the wrong way. And so I do like, I do want to keep the show and sort of our conversation very, very simple. So like, I know that may even be like an unpopular opinion, but that's just the way like I sort of like feel, even if it's like, is it like almost, it's like, okay, like everyone says to like amplify the voices of other people but is it weird? Like people thinking I'm just taking somebody else's voice to like benefit from that. There's so many thoughts that go on in my mind that way. And I'm wondering if you have any sort of advice or any sort of feeling based on the sort of activism we've seen over the past year, whether it be on the street, whether it be on an Instagram story and across all different kinds of mediums, how do you, um, like, what do you tell people who are like, I, like obviously want to be like a part of this somehow, but like the last thing I want to do is be insensitive. And it's such a new terrain for so many people. And I think we need to be like a little bit more conscious like about that and to like say like, hey, like we totally want you in this fight, but we want you to be comfortable and excited to be here too. So what do you tell people who maybe feel like a little bit hesitant or like maybe they want to be a part of the fight, but maybe it's not for them? Yeah, that's actually something I've actually grappled with personally too a lot in the past year is that, yeah, like you go on social media and you're like, okay, I need to like reshare this stuff. And then it's like, no, don't do it this way, do it this way. And you're like, okay, am I messing up constantly? Am I just making it worse? And um, ironically, like I had a moment in, I can't remember, it was like October or November where I had spoken up about um ableism on TikTok and then basically it got into the wrong hands and like a bunch of people started harassing me over it and I like I take it with a grain of salt I'm like these are young kids like nobody's monitoring what they're doing on the internet but um Mm -hmm. yeah but as a result of that I was like wow I put way too much like value and time into social media in general and I've actually been like I've actually taken a big step back since then. And because of that, it's actually allowed me to be like, oh, well, what can I do in my own life? Like, you know, retweeting stuff is so important. And I know a lot of the disability justice movement is online because that's an extremely accessible place for it to be. Um, But beyond that, it's like, okay, how can I take that into my work, into my school, into my family, like things like that. And, um, 
And I think that's where I find the most work actually getting done is like me coming into other movement spaces and being like, hey, is this accessible? Um, and getting other people to start asking that question and them taking it to the other spaces that they're in and just kind of that chain reaction of like being, even if you don't fully know what it means, bringing it up to a group of people in, is so powerful because it's like, if it's not being talked about, then I assume nobody's probably responsible for it or thinking of it. And um, yeah, so I think it's just really powerful to like take what you're learning from social media, take what you're learning from books and movies and podcasts and be, and take it to your life and just be like, how can I apply what I'm learning? How can I make the spaces I exist within more inclusive, more welcoming, more accessible? I think that's like the most beneficial way to do it where it's not intimidating and where it's not performative, where it's like, you can't be afraid to mess up because you're going to mess up. We're all going to mess up. Um, yeah. It's just taking responsibility when you do mess up and um, continuing on the path regardless to um, to continue making the world a little bit of a better place every day. I I think it's that's so, I don't know, that was very heartwarming for me too because, I mean, in full transparency, like I had a moment last summer where I did something that probably wasn't the intention and somebody called me like out for it. And actually I don't even want to say called out cause that has such a negative connotation with it. But like the conversation that we ended up having was like, you know, like what, um, like what a nice thing for them to do because they said like, Oh no, like Jacob, like you actually have a, a strength to contribute to this. Like, like, let me like help you. Cause I respect your sort of contribution. And I think that's, that's something I took with a huge grain of salt because my instinct was like, oh no, like it happened. This is the thing I did. Like I did that wrong. Um, but I think then I was like, oh wait, no, it's, it's only people just trying to improve because they actually see that you're trying. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I keep saying at the end of the day, but like at the end of the day, like we can't be upset with anybody for that. And so that's a sentiment um, coming from you. I really, really appreciate. And as we start to wrap up the show, which makes me super sad because I could literally talk to you forever. <laughs> I think you're so well-spoken. Oh my gosh. But, um, I want to like, I always ask like two questions towards the end of the show. And the first, well, I always say two questions and I always end up asking tangent questions. That's always a lie. But um, the first one being like, what do we really want to manifest for you? And I know you talked about like, well, the ultimate goal is to have no need for the nonprofit to be around because everything's the way we want it to be. Um, but like, where do you see yourself like down the line? I know you do like music yourself too. So maybe you have like a dream venue or any of those sort of things. Um, but what's something that would like, I don't know, like what's the thing that when you wake up every day, like you go like, oh yeah, this is why I do what I do. I really want to grow a home for disabled music fans, musicians, anyone who's disabled and loves music to exist and talk and find comfort in each other's stories and experiences and use those to change the music industry for future generations to not have to go through what we've experienced and to get to a place where we can all just go to shows and not worry about our safety and not worry about having to beg for somewhere to be safe and able to enjoy the show like anyone else and I think just yeah just growing 
growing half access, growing a community through half access and, um, and just using our stories to touch people who may never have to experience what we've experienced and, um, and hopefully see change as a result. Yeah. And I totally see that feasible. And I think that's something that we can all sort of get behind. And that's a goal that we all should be supporting you with too. Um, Okay, here's my tangent question. And it's so cheesy and it's so cliche. Um, What's the best concert you've ever been to? And what's your dream concert too? (laughs) Like dream lineup, let's say that. Because that's that's a more exciting question. Oh my God. Um, Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, this is so exciting. I haven't thought about live music in so long. Um, Best show I've ever been to that like was probably the catalyst for me to start playing guitar and start making music with my friend is uh was seeing boy genius because not only did i get to see boy genius but you know i got to see lucy julian and phoebe all before they all played together and it's just like that show i have like a picture of it on my wall um because i just like still can't believe um can't believe that was real can't believe I don't know I just love the the meaning behind like boy genius and the idea that it's like I feel like a lot of times as women in music like we can just be like preface every idea we have with like a well it's not that good uh or uh well it's not fully you know or just like apologies before we even share what we're sharing and um and so I love the idea that they're just like, no, we're just going to make music and not doubt ourselves. And I'm just like, oh, I love that. Um, yeah. And then my dream. Oh, my gosh. Right now. <laughs> right now, I'm, as most of the world is, um, obsessed with Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. Yep. 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 Nope. You're preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I... <laughs> It's literally almost my most listened to song of all time. Like, cause I use last FM. So I like can see and it's oh, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been out for what, like two, three weeks. And uh, it, I've listened to it over a hundred times. Like, um, yeah. yeah. So I, re- she's the reason I bought a keyboard. I think I've wanted one for over a year, but like literally that nice. song came out and I'm like, is that why I bought it? Probably. Um, so I really want to see good her. a reason as ever. Right. Yeah. So I really want to see her live and I really can't wait till she releases more music. Like I have definitely before this song been listening to the song she wrote for High School Musical, the musical, the series. Yes. That like we, we should have known back then that like <laughs> that then the follow up would even like be greater. But yes, I, right. same boat entirely. I'm so with you. And then um, the other artist I've been obsessed with is Valley. Um, they yes. released such a good EP last year. And I'm just like, and they had released the EP. And then I didn't even notice when they released it, but released like the extended version with one more song on it. Cause I had just been clicking like, cause it was just my like recent listens on Spotify is just like driver's license and then that EP. So I had always clicked on it. And we just, and we always go back to those. Yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so it would always open the old version of the EP and I would just listen to it. And then all of a sudden one day I went to their page to click on it. And then I was like, there's another song. And that ends <laughs> ended up being my favorite song on 
the EP. It's called All the Animals I Drew as a Kid. And it's just, it's very existential, which I feel it right now. So <laughs> yeah, I seeing those two together just because I'm obsessed with both right now. Ugh, it would be so nice. Amazing. Well, I'm so there. That that's a that is a that's a show that I will be fighting like to be in that room somehow. Um, because I know like and I think a lot of people listening are like, uh, yeah, that needs to happen, stat. Um Cassie, the last question I want to ask you too is my favorite question I ask in every single episode. Um, the small, very small backstory behind it. I give the same spiel every single episode, so I'm gonna do it really short for the sake of people listening. Um But I feel like a lot of the times when we listen to any sort of media or podcast or anything where we try to learn something, a lot of the times we walk away with maybe a piece of advice that isn't super tangible to us. And it's always like, you know, like, follow your heart, like, trust your gut, like, know who you are. And then what I find is I sit down at my desk and I'm like, am am I just going to sit here and follow my heart for an hour? Like, I don't really know how to translate that into something like super feasible. So I'm wondering if, People have spent the past hour listening to your story and learning all about you and everything that you stand for. What's something that they can do if they have another hour? And so maybe that be um, figuring out their role as an advocate. Maybe that be, be like starting their own sort of project. However you want to form that question, it's totally up to you. You are an incredibly creative person, so I know you're going to run with this perfectly. But I'm wondering like, what's something um, somebody can do who is inspired by you today? Absolutely. Yeah, I think... Um... I think the first place I always direct people is just to further education because I think it makes it so much easier to advocate for things the more you know and the more perspectives you have because I'm only one person and I only have one very specific perspective and experience based on my life. Um, So I have a couple recommendations. Um, I really recommend the book Disability Visibility edited by Alice Wong. It's I'm reading that right now. Yes, it's so good. It's so so good. good. Yeah. um, Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just really excited about that. You're the only other person who I've talked to that knows about it. Yeah, it came out, yeah, last year. And it's a collection of essays. And like Disability Visibility is a project. I'm still coming to understand it. I'm still myself getting more integrated into the disability community. But um, it's a collection of essays. And because of that, so many disabled perspectives are represented. Um, and mm-hmm. so I really appreciate that because I learned a lot from it. Um, and then also Crip Camp is on Netflix and on Netflix's YouTube for free um, and is like a great overview of like the disability rights movement in the U.S. Um, and I, I always kind of wonder what other people take away when they watch it because for me it was like it was simultaneously like really validating really inspiring and like also kind of sad because I feel like at the end people can be like yay they did it but I know like from the things they say at the, like towards the end of like you know okay we got some legislation but things still aren't perfect like mm-hmm. um stuff like that. So like, I think just like consider that perspective if and when you watch it, because um, just know that yes, there was some huge successes, but we still have so long to go. Um, So I think for education, those are two very tangible things. Um, I mean, it's such a cliche thing, but like 
follow Half Access on social media. We haven't been yeah. super active because I've been <laughs> like off of social media, but we just um, we just onboarded some new board members um, who are super wonderful and love social media. So I'm excited to be like, please, you can do it. <laughs> and so yeah. we'll be more active on there. And that's where we'll be sharing all the news about um, as we... Um, create a system for people to volunteer with us and build our community. And on our website, there's actually like where we have our social media links at the bottom. There's also a link to join our discord, which is where we're going to be growing our community. So um, you can get in there now um, if you want. It's usually pretty quiet because again, we're still working on building this all up, but those are all, all good places to start some education and then a half access specific place to be. So yeah. I am so grateful for your time today and you are somebody who I truly feel honored to even just be like a witness of your journey, I think is something that I'm truly, truly, really, really thankful for. And I'm so glad for some reason the TikTok algorithm knew to like give me like one of your videos because inst- like instantly Which one I was, was like, it? everything. It was the one where you were playing guitar and you ex- were explaining. Yeah. Nope. That was the one that was like, I was like, oh my like gosh because I'm always I've always been like very like stubborn how to play guitar like I I literally quit lessons right away because I didn't like somebody telling me how to play guitar like I don't it doesn't make sense because I didn't know how to play it so I don't know why (laughs) I thought that would be a solution to anything but it like and then you were explaining like oh this is how I play guitar I was like oh like okay I was like um okay that's the coolest thing I've ever seen um but uh, now, ever since then, I've been so invested in your journey. And then we were like, I'm going to take some time. And I was like, of course, of course. But like, I've been like, okay, what's Cassie up to? Like, what are we doing? And I was like, okay, I have to have her on the show. So this was so fulfilling for me. Like, seriously, I can't thank you enough. I know like taking the time to maybe talk about some of these things isn't always the easiest. And maybe <laughs> I hope this didn't contribute to the fatigue of it all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> at all. This has been so That's, fun. I'm so, so glad because I truly learn so much from you on a daily basis and um, what you teach really just resonates and sticks with me too, which I think speaks volumes to the person that you are. So thank you so much. You are truly, not to be super cliche with the name of the show, but you are truly like a groundbreaking like person in this sort of field and inspire so many people. So thank you so much. On behalf of everybody listening, thank you so much. I'm going to plug everything here in just a moment at the end of the show. Um, but again, thank you and keep being the amazing shining superstar that you are. Thank you. (laughs) I have to thank Cassie again for nothing short of a season premiere that meant so much to me. I hope you're as excited to support Cassie and her entire team at Half Access as I am. Visit them at halfaccess.org and by following at Half Access on Instagram. You can also keep up with Cassie at WilsonXCassie on all platforms. This season, we aren't slowing down and there's so many stories left to share. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming service and follow us at Friendly Media, that's FR and DLY on all platforms. You can also follow me at Jacob Wittenberg. All links are in the description. That's all for today, everybody. I'll see you next time for some more groundbreaking. Breaking is a friendly original podcast, but all opinions in today's show are my own. Our producers are Jacob Wittenberg and Emma Tatum. For more and to connect with our show, visit FriendlyMedia.com.